Oh, our great Heavenly Father, we are here for Your glory, for the glory of it all. That is why Jesus did come here for the rescue of us all. Rescuing us that we now may live as You intended us to live in relationship with You for Your glory. For the glory of it all. Father, we ask that You and the Son would be pleased to send the Spirit of Jesus here again this morning. Again, for the rescue of us all. So that we can truly live lives that bring You glory and bring us great joy. Father, as we turn our attention to the greatest of news and the ultimate of joy, would You give us faith like children? Would You give us ears to hear maybe for the first time or again for the first time? Would You give us hearts that beat for You and Your glory? Would You give us feet that walk in obedience to this amazing story that's changed our lives? Come and be teacher, we pray. In Christ's name, Amen. Question as we begin, what is the greatest news that you have ever received that has produced the most joy? In your life, what is the best news that you've ever received that produced the greatest amount of joy that you've had the privilege of telling others? Maybe it's, I've graduated. Take it from a guy who took eight years to get through seminary. Great joy. Uh, Maybe it's, I'm engaged. It's true. Or maybe it's, we're pregnant. For some it might be, we're finally debt free. We've been climbing this mountain for so long. For some it may be, you're cancer free. What is the greatest news that has brought the most amount of joy to your life? That God has entrusted you and given you the privilege of sharing with others. And a fabulous litmus test, by the way, of how important you are to others is to know how quickly information of good news, of great joy, makes it to you. And if you're the last one to hear some good news of great joy, probably going to say that maybe you're not that important in those areas, you know? Have you heard the news that Katie's pregnant? Now... If you're just hearing it now, you may say, how could I be connected to Orangewood? I mean, I thought I was there. And listen, if I'm hearing that news for the first time, that's really something wrong, right? I mean, you got to look, hopefully that news made it to me. And I'm doing this on purpose thinking, I want to play with them and mess with them and have them say, is Katie really pregnant? Is Katie really pregnant? No, she's not. You know, right? But how news reaches you If you're the last to be told, if everybody knows something and it gets to you, most likely you're going to feel pretty lousy about you. You think, how come I didn't know? How come no one told me? Where was I? How come I am out of the loop? Especially if they're related to you. Listen, the best news, the best news that produced the greatest joy was announced in Bethlehem and the wonder of wonders that the greatest news ever to be told was going to be told to shepherds out in a field. Are you kidding me? 
This year, I had the privilege of going with some other PCA pastors to the Holy Land, and man, was it a fantastic experience. I love going because it's in that area that my life story has forever been changed. And to go back and to be at the Sea of Galilee and just to think about the fact that Jesus was here was amazing. To go into Jerusalem and say, my sin was nailed to the cross here was incredible. To think of an empty tomb right there. And the trip included us going and passing in to the Palestinian side of things into Bethlehem. Wow, to be there where so much of the story of my life has forever been changed. It's the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. To meet with uh, evangelical Presbyterian pastors who were proclaiming the good news of Jesus right there in Bethlehem. To be a part of that story was so cool. And it's something mystical about that, isn't there? Have you ever gone back to a place that shaped your story? Maybe it's the, the place of your birth, or maybe it's a childhood memory. Uh, but to go back to the Holy Land, to be there and to say, this place shaped my story. But then you start to realize that Maybe our story is shaping their story too because you drive down in Bethlehem and all of a sudden you see stars and bucks. And you want to say, now wait a minute, we're supposed to be affecting, they're being affected by this story and apparently we're affecting their story and apparently we don't got the story right. Stars and bucks. And then they take you to this place, the Church of the Living Nativity, and it was supposedly on this holy ground that Jesus was born in a little manger, and it was there, and they, they got this church, and the church is gaudy, and the, the church is like really weird, and you, you go in there and you think, really? Really? This, this, this is what we've done to Bethlehem? <laughs> this is what we've done to the manger, oh, little town of Bethlehem? I mean, I kind of couldn't wait to get out. And then you walk down the streets, and here's what you see when you walk down the street. Bethlehem Souvenir Discount Shop. Alleluia. <laughs> Man, this story is different than I thought it was. But the good news is, is they planted a church. And guess where they planted a church? They planted a church down in the shepherd's field. So we went down to this church. It's an evangelical church down in Shepherd's Field. These are a couple of missionaries, PCA. That's about as high as Presbyterian people ever raise their hand. That's about it right there. But right there, Terry Geiger, who's got an amazing ministry in Jerusalem and Palestine, and he, he, he's saying, maybe it was here, maybe it was here that the angels broke into heaven. And, and I, I just thought, man, can I just, my favorite service of the whole year is Christmas Eve. I can't wait. It's coming. I can't wait. I think about it all year long. And I went into that little sanctuary, and I thought, what would it be like to preach a Christmas Eve service right there in the shepherd's field, you know? And everywhere I went, I mean, I'm just such a moron. I embarrassed Katie so bad. I crawled behind every pulpit. I just started to preach, you know. I didn't care no one was there, but there I am thinking, Christmas Eve, wow. But there's more than that. We went to this little restaurant, and next to this little restaurant, guess what I found in the shepherd's field? I found a shepherd and sheep. I mean, it was so cool that the shepherd was there, and, and you know what? I found a real shepherd. I found a real sheep. I was in the real shepherd's field. Maybe just look at the olive trees that are all around. Can you get the picture a little bit? And then guess what happened? The shepherd noticed me. He noticed me. He looked at me, and I was taking pictures of him. So guess what this shepherd did? He asked for money. 
I mean, I'm kind of separated from him. He's coming up and he's saying, could you get, we're kind of talking in, in obviously hand language and gesturing, but he's demanding money because I took a picture of him. Here I am in the shepherd's field with a real life shepherd with real life shirt, a sheep, throwing money out that's in my pocket to this shepherd thinking, this can't be the story I dreamed of. This is bizarre. Is it really here? Would it really be here that God would say, I want to change the world? Let me ask you a question. Who, can we go back to that picture? Who, the first picture, the last picture, who in the world would tell, not that guy, this guy, who in the world would tell this guy good news of great joy? How in the world would God make the greatest announcement ever to someone in his family tree? Now, listen, don't, don't, don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to dish this guy. But if God has good news of great joy that's going to change the world, wouldn't you think he'd be a little bit better than doing with that? I mean, is there not a little bit of wonder about the announcement here? You're going to come... Is God in flesh? The King of kings and the Lord of lords is going to show up as a human? You're going to make the greatest announcement in the history of man, in the history of time, and this is the guy you're going to tell and his buddies? You're going to bring down a chorus of angels from heaven. You're going to say, we're going to start a symphony. This is so big. We're going to just have this heavenly symphony appear. It's going to be there. I mean, aren't you going to go to Rome? Aren't you going to go to Rome and the, the power, the hub of the time? Or aren't you at least going to go to Jerusalem and go to the heart of Jerusalem? Or, or, or aren't you at least going to go to downtown Bethlehem? You're going to go there? For heaven's sakes, God stinks at marketing. Does he? Man, you guys reacted to that. Humanly speaking, looking at the story, trying to figure it out, what in the world can God's marketing plan be all about? Christmas is this. It should begin with the wonder of the announcement. The wonder of the announcement and who to whom that announcement was given. It was given to the most ordinary of people. It was given to shepherds. Not only was the announcement given to them, but what was the announcement to you? Listen, God who created and spoke in the cosmos, the God who keeps everything right now from falling apart, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. I mean, this is the mighty God and this is the glorious one that we sing about. He's going to make this announcement to the outcast and the dirty and the smelly and the shabby and those who aren't really respected too much in society. And not only is he going to announce it, he's going to tell to them, and by the way, for unto you, unto you, a child is given. Unto you, a son will be born. Not just any son. Unto you, the Savior the anointed one, the Messiah, 
the Lord unto you. The wonder of the announcement of the greatest news that produces the ultimate joy and who it is given to. Well, there's two things that we must have to experience the wonder of this announcement, and it pertains to us today as much as it did some 2,000 years ago when this amazing announcement was was first proclaimed. We have to have two things, and do you have them? Here they are. The first one is the ability to listen. The ability to listen. And the second one is the ability, by God's grace, to believe. Let's look at this first thing. The ability to listen. The scripture verse, one verse in two, uh, Luke 2 verse 5, the one before Jim started reading, tells us about what was happening at Bethlehem. We know the story. We sing the song of O Little Town of Bethlehem. What was available at the inn? Nothing. There was no rooms available. There was no vacancy. At the uh, Motel 6 in Bethlehem, they did not leave the light on. All right? It was not on. There was no vacancy. They were too busy. The census that was decreed that everybody has to go back. The whole town is a buzz. Everybody's focused on something else. And the stuff of life kept the world from hearing this amazing news of great joy. They did not have the ability to hear it. Most of the world. So God went to those who had all the time in the world to be laying around by a campfire with some sheep to hear amazing news. The questions I have for you this morning is this. Do you have the availability to listen to God this Christmas? I mean, I imagine you're already putting together your list of who you got to get stuff for, and you got to get, you know, the teachers, and you got to get, you got to get those for your workers and your friends and your family, and you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. And and listen, is there any availability in your schedule to listen to God and what He might want to tell you of amazing good news of great joy this Christmas? First thing is the availability to listen. The next is the ability. To believe. In Luke's gospel, he tells us Luke 1 starts with another amazing announcement of another amazing birth, not of Jesus, but the first one is of John. And John's going to come to a righteous man named Zechariah and a righteous woman named Elizabeth. And sadly, they had a reputation in town. It wasn't that they were just righteous, everybody knew them as righteous. They had another reputation, they were childless. It was kind of like a, a scarlet letter, if you will. It's kind of. Uh, Maybe God wasn't happy with them or something, but not to have an heir, not to have someone who can help the family, not to have a child. Oh, man, that's kind of humiliating in that day. So they were kind of secretly known as that's the barren ones. They're righteous. They're good folks. Man, they got nothing. They got no kid. Some of you feel that reproach. Some of you understand that because for some reason society said you should have this. You should have a wedding ring or you should have a child or you should have a degree or you should have money or you should have something for you to really feel well about yourself. Let me tell you something. It's bull. If you got Jesus, man, and, and He God's love you, you should be feeling ecstatic, okay? But in that society, basically not having kids was, was pretty much a, a scarlet letter that they were wearing. And so God shows up when Zachariah is doing priestly duty in the temple. And you know, most of us who work in the ministry don't really expect God to show up. We just work for Him, you know? And when He shows up, we're usually scared to death and try to figure out what in the world is He doing, and certainly Zechariah, when this angel comes and says, you know, hey, I got great news for you. He's just terrified. He says, listen, you know what? 
God's heard your prayers. And by the way, isn't it great that God hears your prayers? Some of you have been uttering for a long time. Some of you are wondering if he hears anything. I mean, you've got to know that Zechariah and Elizabeth had to wonder. Are you listening? Listen, they've gone beyond it. They, they were beyond the having kids' years. I mean, they just figured, meh. And God shows up to, and he says to Zachariah, he goes, listen, uh, God's heard your prayers. And by the way, your wife's going to have a child. And you're not going to have the privilege of naming him because you're not going to have that authority. I'm going to name him. His name's going to be John. And John's going to go before my son and prepare the way. And he is going to be great. Zechariah said, how does that happen? See, I'm, I'm old, and, and, and my wife is old, and apparently this is before those commercials you see on TV all over the place, but I'm old, and my wife is old, and I don't think that this can happen. Do you know what Zechariah did? you know what this, what this priest of God did? you know what this righteous man of God did? He took his circumstances and he placed them against God's promise. And guess what won? Guess what won? Guess what that this godly man would do? He would allow his circumstances to shape what he knew and believed and even heard from God. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that we do the same thing? I mean, some of you have zero wonder of Christmas this year because you have zero in your bank account. And maybe you have zero in, a, in an emotional bank account with, with a relationship. And, and maybe you're running in the red in a lot of different areas. And maybe the reality of your circumstances are just screaming in your ear that the wonder that God would come for the rescue of us all is not that wonderful. God, help us if that is the reality. May we never let the circumstances shape the way we hear and respond to God's promises. This is why God says, you know what kind of faith you have? You should have a faith like a child. Why? Because when a child is told to promise, they believe it and they're excited and they can't wait This is what Scripture says. You should walk really by faith, not by sight. And how how many of us in reality live our lives walking by sight alone? Zechariah was not walking by faith. It was by sight. In the sight of an old woman and an old man, no way. Two things you got to have. Availability to listen and the ability to believe. You'll never have the wonder of Christmas into the tomb. Do you have them? Well, there's not only the wonder of the announcement, the question is for you, do you get it? Have you gotten it? Has the wonder of that announcement come to you? Not only that, have you received it? But then there's the wonder of arrival. Did you ever notice that when you meet someone, you meet someone new, the hunt begins? Happens every time. You meet someone new, the hunt begins, and what is the hunt? The hunt is for common ground. You meet somebody, and what are you starting to say? You're looking for something to relate with them. You're looking for something to kind of be common with. And so you start by saying, hey, where are you from? 
And maybe there's a connection to where you're from. And, and then maybe say, how, how, many, how many kids were in your family growing up? And, and maybe somehow there's a connection there. Or, or what do you like? Or are you a Gator fan? And, 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 and maybe there's a connection there. And, and maybe you say, are you a Seminole? Or, or you, we really, it's amazing. We just hunt for common ground. Until we can find it. Until we kind of feel comfortable. And we have something to relate with with that person. You know... Ever since man, who's made in God's image, lost common ground with God because of sin. You see, God created us to know and love Him and to be placed in a relationship with Him. And God created us to walk with Him on common ground. God created us for like Eden and paradise so that we can know and love God. And you ready for this? God created us to walk with Him in the cool of the evening and to have fellowship with Him, and just walk on common holy ground because God is there. And ever since man sinned, and ever since we rebelled, we've been longing for common ground with God again because our lives in Scripture clearly teach us that there is a chasm of separation. A holy God and a sinful, depraved, dead in their sins and transactions, transgressions, men and women. And we're longing for holy ground. We're longing for common ground. We're longing to be uh, mended together. That's why we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Because Isaiah and the other prophets promised that there was one that would come. And the one that would come, would come. And He would unite us again with the Father. That the one who would come would, would once again rescue us and restore us. And put sinners like us on common ground with a holy God. Can it be? Can we dream that much? Can we dare to dream that much? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Ransom us. Isaiah promised, come and walk among us again, God. Come and make the ground that we walk on holy ground. So how does he have to come? Well, it says in the text, he's got to come as Savior. He's got to come as Savior to rescue His people. In Matthew 1.21, said God has already given Him a name, and His name is Jesus. And why is He given the name Jesus? Because He will rescue His people. It's in the name. It's in, it's in the title. It's in His whole job description. It's in His very being. Jesus comes to rescue. That's what He does. To come give common ground to sinners. He comes as Christ, as Lord, as the anointed Messiah. And how did He come? Listen, how did He come? Amazing. Can you see the wonder of how God came? He came as a baby. I mean, the One, the Word made flesh, the One who made all things. He came as a baby. He came with flesh. He came with bones. Why? To find the ultimate common ground with us. The beautiful thing about Jesus is is because He is fully God and fully man, because He was tempted in every way like us, because He experienced our junk, He relates to us. The writer of Hebrews says, we now have a high priest who can sympathize with us. He's walked your shoes. He's been in your moccasins. He knows the taste of your tears. He knows your sadness. He knows your brokenness. He knows your experience because He became fully man. Amazing wonder. 
The God who is, is a God that we find common ground with through Jesus Christ and His humanity. He came to relate to us. Not only that, but He came to save us. And listen, God's plan of saving man is through man. The story had to be about God becoming man. Doing what man was supposed to do. He saved us as man, yes, and as God. But He came to relate to us and to save us. You see, Jesus came wrapped in our swaddling rags of cloth. He came and He wore our rags, common ground, our our rags, so that we could be wrapped in the common ground. You ready for this? Of His righteousness. Are you kidding me? God would come and He would don not only our flesh, but He would don our rags so that we could now don His robe of royalty and righteousness so common ground could be gained and never lost. Hallelujah. Praise God. An amazing wonder that He'd wear our flesh, that He'd wear our rags. Jesus came lying in a manger, which is basically a feeding trough so that He could be the bread of life to all those who hungered. To all those who had the deepest hunger in their lives to be fed. Jesus came and said, common ground. Feed on Me and live. Feed on Me and find common ground with the Father. Has the wonder of His arrival led you to see Him as wonderful? Counselor. Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God is with us. We have common ground with God. And the commonness of our life and the brokenness of our life as we walk through life, we walk on common ground with God. Because of Christmas, it's holy ground. Because Jesus came, the wonder of it all has it penetrated your life. Has it changed your life? And then the last thing is, is the wonder of ambassadors. Not only the wonder of the announcement, the wonder of the arrival, but the wonder of ambassadors. The wonder to whom God entrusts His story. Okay, God's story, the only one that matters from time that began. Who does He choose to be the storytellers of this good news of great joy? Who are the first storytellers? Are you ready for this? They were shepherds. Maybe, I'm just thinking, maybe the shepherds were the only ones ignorant enough to believe. (laughs) And maybe the shepherds had enough childlike faith to really believe that God is going to be found wrapped in swaddling clothes somewhere in Bethlehem in a manger feeding trough. Maybe everybody else was too sophisticated to say, no stinking way. And maybe it's just the simplicity of that kind of faith that leads them to go say, let's go see this amazing thing. And you know what they did? They became God's first storytellers of good news. And maybe 
Everyone sat there spellbound as they were just running sentences together, making paragraphs, talking about heavenly hosts appearing, choirs out of nowhere, news that was so stinking radical. You wonder why all who heard, and I don't know who all they are, I know there's Mary and Joseph and some donkeys and other things around, but who were all that heard that's talking about, but all who heard, they were absolutely spellbound. Not just because of the news, I'm sure the news had to be the most spellbound binding but don't you think they were spellbind by the messengers don't you think they sat there and thought are you kidding me shepherds the good shepherd's gonna come are you kidding me god's gonna entrust this story they, they can't even appear in court because no one's gonna believe them god is gonna make ambassadors out of shepherds They're going to be the storytellers. You're going to be the storyteller. I'm supposed to be the storyteller. Are you kidding me? God, this great news, this this amazing great news of the greatest joy, we're supposed to be Christ's ambassadors. The story finds its magnificence in that Christ has come and he wants the broken to tell it. Are you kidding me? The wonder, my brothers and sisters, the wonder that God would entrust his story to shepherds. The wonder that God would trust his story to you and to me. I can tell you something. Just like that sign, star, and bucks, the world doesn't really know the story. And they're longing for it. This is the Christmas season. You are an ambassador of Christ to tell his story. Do not say anymore, happy holidays. Don't do it. Say Merry Christmas. I mean, you're the one who has the story, ambassador of Christ, if you're a child of God. Don't let the world tell you what should be said and not said. Don't let the world rob from you the wonder that God would come and rescue you. Don't let the world tell you how to tell the story. You're the storyteller that God is empowering through His Word and Holy Spirit. Go and radically tell it with your lives and truth. Tell it with the easiest thing of saying, Merry Christmas. This is the time of year that people need to hear the story. Invite them. Invite them into the story. Invite them into your life. Invite them to Christmas Eve service. Invite them to an event that's happening that's going to point to Jesus. The wonder is that God would choose us. Does God stink at marketing? Or do we stink at believing that we are His ambassadors? And the story that changed our lives needs to be told. You see, the, 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 the power of this it was shepherds' lives were changed. I mean, they went away glorifying God. They went away praising God. They met Jesus. Heaven came down to earth and they were forever changed and their story was forever changed. Isn't that you and me if we're children of the King? That heaven came down by God's grace and the story of Jesus has changed our lives and now he says, go and tell the world. And You're my storytellers. Just go and be you. Don't, don't, don't worry about your brokenness. I'm the Savior. Don't worry about your inarticulate manner. I'm the one who will speak. Just be you and be radically in love with me and tell people the truth about what Jesus did for a sinner like you.
Jesus being the ultimate storyteller and the ultimate example of the good news of great joy gives us a tangible part of the story today so that we will never forget. He wants to give us strength and clarity to what he's done so we can go tell the world the ultimate good news. In a moment, uh, the ushers will come forward to collect our tithes and offerings. We will only give back. We won't give to earn. We will give back. At that same time, the elders will come prepare the table. Prepare yourself to be touched by Jesus today. Be in wonder of the story. And be in wonder of Jesus who gave us this meal to strengthen and feed us, to remind us of a broken body and shed blood, to make us His children and storytellers. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this Christmas season that we would be able to have the ability to hear, to hear the wonder that God has come. That You would give us the ability to believe that unto us a child is given. And that, Father, that we would now walk and proclaim the reality that we are Your storytellers because the story changed our lives, that Jesus wore our rags. We wear His righteousness. We were far off, but we've been brought near. We are His. Come, feed us, Holy Spirit. Through this meal, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.